Hey, uh, thanks, for, thanks for greeting somebody and saying hi. Um, yeah, good morning, good morning. Hey, uh, it's so good to be with you this morning. My name is Tim. Uh, I'm, I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, thanks, thanks for choosing to be here. Um, as as uh, Phil, Phil just shared, if, uh, um, we had, we had a, a women's retreat happen this weekend, and I just want to think, can we just thank those? That, there's a, a, a team of women that, that facilitated and led the entire, entire thing and served us in that way, so... Thank, thank you for leading that. Um, uh, Fifty women signed up and, and and took off for the weekend, and it was it was great. And um, my wife went, and um, I I just I just I got I got the, the remaining members of our family uh, awake in here, and I would I would just like some props for that. So if I can, <laughs> thank you. Um, it, it was hard. We uh, and and uh, and I full disclosure. Um, there was only three of us left in the house. I have three sons, Ethan, Max, and Owen. And Owen is a sixth grader, and uh, he is at the middle school retreat. So we not only had a women's retreat this weekend, but we had a middle school retreat, which sounds like phenomenal planning on the part of husbands and dads, and it wasn't. It just happened. But um, So my, my middle schooler, Owen, is off uh, middle school. So we got a, a whole crew of sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, and then um, our whole team that serves middle school is, is with them as well, or most of them are at least. And so they're, they're away. They'll get back later uh, this afternoon, and so uh, the three remaining Osborne men in the house, it was a little bit Lord of the Flies, and um, you do not want to see the kitchen right now, but I've got a few more hours to get that clean before um, Abby gets home, and so um, I, I, um, I just, we're, this is, we're going to shell our prayer needs to, today, that's what we're going to do in our gathering, and so that's, that's mine, so um, it was great, both of those were just such good things and, and, and fantastic uh, that we, we get to participate in as a, as a church and have those things go on. Um, if, if you're here and, and you're a guest or you're new, um, we do something at the end of this gathering, at the end of every one of our gatherings, just called Coffee and Connect, and it happens in this room uh, right through here, um, and it's, it's really just simply that. We just want to create a, a little bit of a space and an opportunity for you to, to meet one of our pastors and to ask any questions you might have or, or further get connected learn more about who we are uh, as, as a church family, as Mosaic. And so at the end of our gathering, if you're new, we'd love to invite you in there for uh, 10 minutes just to, just to get to know us and us to get to know you. Uh, two other uh, quick things as, uh, as we get started are, uh, if I can just share two things that are coming up in the next coming weeks. Uh, two weeks from today, um, the last Sunday in October, October 28th, after this gathering at 1.30, we're going to have an all-church meeting, um, and it's going to be from 1.30 to 2.30 right here. And so uh, if you could plan on being there, and what we're doing in this meeting is uh, we turned, last month, we as a church turned 15 years old. We were 15 years old. We were planted and launched 15 years ago. And as part of that, hitting kind of that milestone in, in our life as a church is we wanted to, to do a health checkup. And so uh, we've hired an organization to come alongside us and, and walk us through this process. And so a number of you have filled out uh, uh, online survey a, a few weeks ago. Thank you for doing that. Uh, a whole bunch of us did that. And then in, not next week, but the week after, I think it is, is we're doing uh, a bunch of interviews with leaders and volunteers who are involved here. Uh, and then this, this organization is going to kind of go here. This is, this is your report card kind of a thing. This is how you're doing. This is where you're doing great. Here's where you need to grow in the area of weakness and how you can learn about yourselves more. And so um, we think this is really vital for us to do at this, at this marker in, uh, in the life of our church. And so I want to invite you uh, uh, to that on uh, October 28th, 1.30 to 3.30. The other thing is, is uh, a few weeks after that, we have a partnership class. And for 
Uh, partnership here at Mosaic, it, it means taking, making a formal commitment to be a part of this church family. Uh, and the class is an opportunity to learn where we've been, uh, who God has called us to be, and how we're pursuing that. Uh, and then also how you can play a role in that. And so we genuinely believe that if, if this is your church home, that God has, has gifted and, and wired you and given you life and experience and skills to contribute to what God's doing here. And we want to walk through that process of what it's like for you to find what that is. Uh, and we believe that there is an answer to that. And so that's part of what the partnership class is. So that's November 10th, Saturday, 9 to 2. Uh, food and, and kids care is available uh, for that. So if you haven't done that, please consider... Uh, making that your Saturday plans for November 10th. I want to introduce three women that are up here with me. Uh, again, we've had this women's retreat, and so we wanted to do a panel today, as so many of, of you that were on the retreat have, have come back to be a part of this gathering. And so today, I wanted to do this. Sue, thank you for, for teaching on the women's retreat, both yesterday morning and evening. And so... And uh, so thank you. Sue is, I've been, Sue and her husband Robert have been a part of our church for a couple years. And um, among the many other things Sue's involved with is, is that she helps mentor within our LIT a cohort, our leader and training cohort that we have. Kim has been on staff for 10, 11 years in a whole bunch of different roles as one of our pastors here at, uh, at Mosaic. And um... that's it. <laughs> thank you. I didn't know if there was something else. I was, no. I was... You got it covered. Okay, good. Uh, uh, Pauline has been uh, a part of our, been a part of Mosaic for uh, several years, and uh, uh, after finding Mosaic as a college student at, at Concordia, um, Pauline oversees right now our, our hospitality and welcome teams of volunteers, uh, and is a leader in residence here in a part-time staff role, and is a part of our, our year one uh, leader in, in training cohort. So Pauline, Kim, and Sue, thank you for being up here. Um, what, what we're going to do is we've been in a series in the book of Hebrews, and I want to take a look at uh, several verses today uh, and as we, as we continue on in that series, and then I have some questions uh, for, for, for these three women of what these verses are looking like in their lives, of how they're experiencing their reality and, and their truth. The, the series we've called Better Things, and there's this, as we've acknowledged over the last number of weeks, there's this kind of repeating cyclical message throughout the book of Hebrews, which is a, a longer book at the very end, towards the end of the New Testament. Uh, and what it's saying over and over is that of all of the things in your life, the people, the ideas, um, the experiences, um, that we can pursue as human beings. Nothing is better than Jesus. Jesus is better than all of those. And we need to hear that regularly as followers of Jesus in this world, in this city at this time. The, the, the Hebrews, the, the Jews, the Israelites needed to hear that in the first century as well as they lived in a, in a time and a context where it was becoming more and more challenging to follow Jesus. There were so many different other options in life, so many pressures to, to turn away from Jesus and turn back to something else or to find something else, that the author of Hebrews writes, no, here's, here's all the options in front of you. And kind of one by one, over and over and over again, Jesus is better and this is how. And so we've worked through a number of those over the, the last few weeks. Jesus is better than angels, which maybe you're not asking that questions, but at that time they were looking at angels of having delivered the most important word from God. And, and God says, no, Jesus is the word of God in the flesh and he's better than angels. Jesus is better than Moses. He's a better spokesman person for me than, than Moses even was. He's better than the rest that was promised through Joshua to the people of Israel, that the rest in the promised land, that Jesus, finding Jesus and walking with Jesus is actually better rest than even that. So over and over and over, Jesus is better. And then we come to this place in, in chapter four uh, and, and where he, uh, the author of Hebrews stops and says, here, I, I want you to hear these few words because you need to hear them. They're, they're a word of, of caution, of warning, and of 
and of exhortation or, or challenge. So if you've got a Bible, find your way to, to Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, we're going to look at verses uh, 12, and, uh, 12 and 13. Hebrews chapter 4, again, it's towards the end of the, the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can walk over and grab one on the side. And Hebrews starts at uh, 868, page 868 in those, in those paperbacks. It's going to be up on the screen uh, as well. Listen to these words. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Uh, that, first, that first line, the, the, the word of God is alive and active is, is great. I mean, that's, you certainly wouldn't want the word of God to be dead and boring or not have anything to say to our lives. Um, what I'd like to hear when it says the word of God is alive and active, the, the very next thing I would, I would like to hear or I would be more comfortable hearing is, and here's, here's what it does. It helps make you smarter for living life. Um, it helps you sleep better. helps you deal with anxiety. Um, it helps coach you on how to manage tough situations and to get ahead in life. All those things are are true in some way or another through the word of God, but that's not what this says. This says that the word of God is alive and active. And then it says, it it provides a comparison to a weapon. It says the word of God is is like a weapon, a sword that's that's sharp on both sides. And when you use it, it it cuts into something. It's it's sharp and it's strong and it it cuts into something. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It it penetrates into soul and and spirit. It it divides joints and marrow. that doesn't sound really comfortable to me. I would like it to say something else, that, hey, this is how to get through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and here's some, here's some ideas on, on moving forward and how to sleep well. But it says something other than that. It says, here's how it cuts us open. And uh, that's really, really valuable, but not necessarily comfortable. It compares the word of God to a weapon. Now, now first, the, the word of God is not is not simply just scripture. If you think of it this way, here's, here's the, 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 the Bible is, is split between the Old Testament and the New Testament. New Testament is much shorter and, and newer than the Old. That's why they have those really descriptive names for them. But the Old Testament, the people that are reading this letter of Hebrews would have had the Old Testament and been very familiar with it. When it says the word of God, it doesn't just mean what they already had as their scripture, their Bible, so to speak. It, it means more than that. The very first verses of Hebrews say this. Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, which were included in that, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The very first verses, first words of Hebrews say, he's spoken before through the Old Testament. Prophets, all this, we have the Old Testament. But now, going forward, including us today, he speaks to us through his son. That God is speaking to us through Jesus. That all that's gone ahead, and we can include in that, in our day and age now, the New Testament as well, that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that we have here. That Jesus is the filter. That this points to Jesus, culminates in Jesus. Jesus is the answer to everything that this raises and is the fulfillment of everything that this says. And so when it says in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is alive and active, it's not just talking about a book, although it's including that. It's talking about the person 
of Jesus, that Jesus is alive and active. And when we encounter Jesus and interact with Jesus, he doesn't just say, here's how to get through your week. He says, this is who I am. He reveals, he exposes who he is, and he exposes who we are. That he cuts into us, although that might sound painful and uncomfortable, and he reveals more of who we are. Even the parts of us that we would like to have hidden and concealed so that maybe we don't see, maybe you don't see, maybe he doesn't see, that it's hidden from all of us. And when we encounter Jesus and when we encounter scripture, what happens regularly is that we're revealed, we're exposed, we're laid bare, as verse 13 says. If scripture and Jesus were just to tell us how to get through our weeks, those would be helpful things. But that's not what it does. It invites us into a relationship. It invites us to be revealed and open. And in that moment, in that experience, we have an opportunity to better be known by God and to better know ourselves and to better know him. So my question is in two parts for you guys. Is, is first, uh, have you experienced that, that just described being revealed, being opened up in a sense? And hopefully your answer is yes, otherwise this will be really short. Um, but have you had that experience? And then if you would be willing to share with us one of those experiences and what, what that was like for you. And Sue, do you want to start us off? Yes and yes. Good. <laughs> for me, um, one of the major events in my life is when I went through a divorce. And um, I was really vis- visual, visual in leadership. And so the whole church knew what was going on. And up until that point, I was really confident in my relationship with God. And after that happened, I wasn't sure that God loved me enough anymore or that he could ever use me again. And at a women's retreat, one afternoon, the speaker said, hey, I want you to go back to your room, spend some quiet time with God, open up your Bible, and read what's there and see what he has to say to you. And I wasn't real sure about that. I felt like playing Russian roulette, but you know. So I did it, and I opened up to Isaiah, and I wasn't really that familiar with all the prophets. And I'm thinking, oh boy, Isaiah, what's this old prophet got to say to me? Little did I know a lot. And I open up to chapter 43, and I start reading. And I see there that it says, you are, I call you by name, you are mine. I'm thinking, that sounds good. And then he talks about um, walking through the waters with us and walking through the fire. And I'm going, yeah, I'm walking through the fire. And boy, God, I need you now. And I keep on reading and I get to the verse four. And it says, you are honored and precious. And I love you. Those words jumped right off the page from God's heart to mine. God still loved me. He is still going to use me. Hmm. Sue, thanks, thanks for sharing that. Um, as, you, as you walked into that retreat, was that, was that something that you were like fully aware of and carrying with you that maybe God doesn't love me, maybe I'm not his still. Oh yeah, you know Hester Prynne, she wore an A, I had a blazing D on my chest. Yeah, and because I was so visual in the church, I felt like, you know, everybody knew I was being judged, even by Christians, and, um, and I wasn't sure about God, and mm. God told me that day, I love you, mm. I love you. Mm-hmm. So clearly something that you wish you could cover up that wasn't <laughs> kind of is, is, is safe in front of him 
and to have, have that message is... Thank you. Kim, what about you? Yeah, I just also want to thank Sue. So I just, I love that that you looked at scripture and that you heard from God and that that set the course for where you were headed and that because of that, we get to benefit from what God is doing in your life. I feel like all the 50 women that were there this weekend got to, got to learn from you because you have lived this relationship with God and so much of that has been through your study of scripture and hearing from him in scripture. So thank you. Yeah. Um, for me, it is something, I would say, this is something that is happening in my life right now. So instead of it being something that I could point to God doing in the past, which he has done, there is something that is happening in my life as we speak with scripture. And um, that is that this, this world is crazy. Does it feel like this world is crazy? <laughs> this world is crazy. And I feel like I have ideas on how it should be run and what should happen, and I feel like I'm right. So, <laughs> um, I don't know about you, but I can feel like a level of rightness in, like clear down into my bones, right? Like I am so right. Like I see the situation for what it is. I know what should happen, and in, you know, this email is gonna, that I'm writing in my head is going to set everything straight. Or <laughs> um, there's all kinds of situations like that in my in my home and uh, relationships, and then even just in watching the headlines and seeing what's going on in our world. There's all these things that that I just feel like I have just a really strong sense of rightness of what should happen and be happening. But um, as it says here in this verse, this incredible verse um, that that scripture. Uh, penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit and joint and marrow. And God is doing that with scripture with me right now. He is piercing clear down into the bone to my, to my sureness that I'm right. And he is showing me that I'm not. And that, Tim, you said it's like a weapon, but um, Sue said earlier in one of our conversations that it's like the surgeon's knife that it reaches down, it cuts you, and it, and it opens you up and exposes you, but it does that for the sake of healing. Jesus doesn't want to leave me in that, that mess that I'm creating internally. He, he wants to heal it. He wants to transform it. He wants to restore it. And so some scriptures and Proverbs have been just standing out to me a lot in this season. Um, one is, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. It's like Jesus is saying, trust in me, don't lean on your understanding. Lean on me. Uh, the other one is there's a, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, the way is death. And I don't know if you guys, there is a way that seems right to a man. It's like scripture is talking to me. There's a way that seems so right to me, but it's not. And so right now, scripture is like a this, um, I would say two things, a mirror. It's when I'm, when I'm reading it, I'm seeing, when I can step back away from, you know, my, my emails, my corrective emails, or my conversations or, um, that are happening in my head, and, and when I can actually step back and, and wait on God and engage in scripture, I'm seeing, what are the things that Jesus is about, and am I about those things? Am I merciful? 
Am I truthful? Am I gracious? Am I loving? Am I forgiving? And it reorients me because the mirror shows me that I'm not. This shows me that I am not those things. That my leaning on my own understanding is actually really wrong and really different than what Jesus wants to cultivate in me to be like him. Um, the second thing is, is I think that the surgeon's scalpel. I, I think right now this is happening in my life that as I'm reading scripture and as I'm hearing from Jesus and seeking Jesus here, he is piercing me in some ways that are really uncomfortable. They're really painful. It's uncomfortable to be pierced to the joint and marrow. So um, yeah, but it's also so beautiful to get to go, God, you love me this much and you love the people around me this much that you would give us this mirror and scalpel that we could look at and, and be open to you healing and transforming us. Um, the phrase that keeps coming to mind as you're talking is, is a course correction. Mm-hmm. And so you said, like, I, I, don't, I don't know if any of, any of us can relate to, to what it's like to feel like you know what's right and then and see what's wrong out there and go, oh, this, is, this is my strategy or plan to fix it or I'm gonna write this or I'm gonna say this um, and to feel that in your bones. I'm, I'm sure very few of us know what that feels like. <laughs> but to, but to, to know that in, in a sense of like, I'm certainly, I know this will fix it or be better or improve it or I just have to do this. And then, and then go through the, the, the being exposed and course correcting, choosing to course correct and go, okay, I'm not gonna go that way even though I was certain that that was right. But I'm going to allow Jesus through Scripture to, to redirect me and, and change. And that is difficult, challenging, painful, and wonderful that you would actually go in a different direction. And that's, that's a constant challenge for those of us that are following Jesus is, is when, do we, when do we start sliding off into our own tracks and get in our own way and then look back and realize, okay, Jesus actually is calling me this way, but I've been going this way for some time. And to, and to allow that course correction to happen is it, it's in the best way it's humbling, and it's to go. Okay, I'm going to be following Jesus and not not my own way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does it does take that. Okay, like are you going to? I think you said mirror too. Like, is it? Mm-hmm. Am I going to allow allow this to tell me who I am mm-hmm. and to be honest about who I am, and then go? Okay, I'm going to follow. Um, is is so important and so critical. Pauline, what about you? Um, yeah, for me, uh, there's actually a verse a little further in Hebrews that kind of like explains a little bit of like what God's been working in my life, and it's um, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. And I think God has been really revealing to me that I've been like going to Him with answers, and I haven't been giving Him my full self. And um, I don't know about you, but like when I tend to pray, I tend to be like. Like I tend, if I have like a problem, like, hey God, like I'm having this problem, but like if I do this, this, and this, I think I'm gonna do okay. Can you like bless this plan for me? Like, can this plan be like the way that you want it to go? And so I haven't like been coming to God with like, within like an open heart. I've literally been coming like, this is it. I have this, let's move this forward. And that's just, I, he's been like showing me that like that's me not having faith in him and not having faith in the work that he like has for me and also in like the, the relationship that we should have. I think I've been taking my relationship with God the same way I would take my relationship with my friends, which is also saying a little bit about that, which is like, I'm coming to my friends with like answers and I'm coming to my friends with like, with like, I, like I'm having this thing, but like, I think I'm gonna do this in order to like work through it. And like, 
I'm doing the same thing with God, and that's not what God wants, and that's not how I let myself like be fully honest and be fully intimate with God, and it's just not having faith in him, and I think it also shows like that I've been having fear of being faithful to him and faithful to his plan and his works, and so he's just been like really showing me that like I need to like instead of coming to God like this I need to come to him with like open like hand and letting him take that and like still being fearful about it but like being having faith that like whatever it is that he has for me is like for good and for him and so that's just a little bit of like what I've been working with God and like it I still do this no matter how hard I try but like I'm just trying really hard to like come to him with open hands Thank you. That's so, I mean, even the, even your hand, what you just did, like this, there's a sense of like, can I cut it open and go like, what, what can I, and, and the other thing that I hope you're hearing that too, is like the, the parallel between other relationships with friends, like the, the difference between, I mean, we all know how we interact with people and say this, this is how it's going to be, or where we come and we, we only interact way out here. And so when we come to God and say, this is the plan, just give me the, give me the okay on it. We're meeting God way out here, and God's constantly in this process of saying, no, 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 I want to I meet you back here where you're open and exposed and walk with you to, to get to a plan together. I want to be with you in that. That's why so many people for, for generations and centuries and centuries have referred to a life with God as walking with Jesus. I mean, I want to walk that process with you, and, and we might end up at the same place. We might, it might actually be there, but he wants to know and, and meet you earlier on in that, in that journey as we want that in relationships as well, too. We want to be connected to people and, and share life with people in that way as well. M- move on to, to, to chapter 5, verse 11. Um, if we scoot down there, we get to the author of Hebrews, uh, writes, writes this, 11 through 14. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Really, really simple picture there that, that the author of Hebrews is painting, but that, that first line is so, um, we have much to say about this. We have, we have more to say about this. We'll get to what this is in a minute, but we, we're, at, it, it, we're having a hard time getting it through to you. It's, it's hard to make it clear to you because you don't even try to understand anymore, that you've, you've settled for far less. You've settled for way back here, and we're trying to, trying to help you down here. Um, if you, we probably all know somebody who can sit down at, at the piano and just, and just start playing. And it just, it's beautiful. Um, it's, it sounds great. It, it gives us a sense of appreciation and, and peace maybe. Um, but they just sit down on their fingers, just know what to do, and they just start playing. They don't even need music in front of them. Um, and then we, we might also know somebody, uh, or we've experienced this before, where there's a piano and, and somebody walks up to it and they open it up and they look at it and then they go. Do you, do you know anybody that does that? I just taught you all how to, your beginning intro to, to playing the piano. Um, people who do that, we typically call them, I think there's a, um, I think that's middle schoolers. I think that's what we call that. Is like that's, um, and it's, it's typically, oh great, now please stop, you know. Um, but that's, you know, we all can do that right now. I've just equipped you in, in that. That's, that's like the very, very basics. And it's a very different experience and understanding of, of how, to, how to actually sit down and just know 
how to play. My, my son, Max, is a senior in high school, and he uh, just got a, a piano from a, a friend, and uh, he's borrowing it for, for a little while. Uh, they needed a place to store it, and he, he wanted a piano. He measured a space for it, and I helped him move it into the house and, and slid it into his room in the basement. And uh, he's in advanced orchestra playing stand-up bass right now in high school. And uh, I don't know hardly anything about, about music, but he, he told me that playing stand-up bass is reading bass clef the whole time, and um, piano is he needs to learn treble. And so to, to, learn, to learn that, he's, he's put masking tape on the keys and literally written the, the, the notes, the letters of the notes on there. And so if you walk in and look at his piano in his room right now, you see this tape with, with letters, and he's just learning that, thankfully he's not doing this, but he's just, he's learning in the last few nights, um, as Abby and I are going to sleep, we can hear him in the basement just playing just the basic piano, just, just starting to learn. He's starting at that infancy stage, and he wants to be able to sit down and kind of impress his girlfriend someday and just play, you know? I mean, that's, that, I don't know what his goal is. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. But um, that would have been my goal when I was 12th grader, but that's what he wants to do. It's going to take time and dedication. As, as it says in 14, it's going to take constant, constant use to, to get there. Um, but, but we know what that progression is like, and to stay in one place and not to move forward, and you miss out on what's, what's available, what's there. And that's the this. We want to tell you so much more about this. And in contrast, immaturity versus maturity, settling for milk versus solid food. And, and, and we have a very clear description of what is maturity and what is immaturity. When it paints a picture of what maturity is, it's two things in this text. And that's the this we want you to know more about. It's, it's one, it's an understanding of righteousness. And when we hear righteousness, it might be really easy to say righteous behavior, or this person behaves very righteously. And, and, and that's just a, just a slim piece of what that word means there. It, it means closer to this kind of holistic, full sense of justice in the world, that this word for righteousness points to justice. And, and it's even more than that. It's not, it doesn't even fully capture what the meaning here is. It's, it's the sense of God's heart for the entire world to be made right again that creation would be good again, that we wouldn't be at odds with one another, that there wouldn't be sin and pain and death any longer. That's more than just righteousness. I mean, that word doesn't do it justice of what in the original language it really meant there. It paints this picture of God's heart, the good news, the great news from God through Jesus is that he wants to make the world right. And so it, it says that, that you long for that and understand that, that you actually understand and go through your day with a belief and a trust and a confidence that God is at work in this really messed up world and that he's working towards something and we're joining him in that. That's, that's maturity. That's a sign of maturity. Another sign of that is that we can discern good from evil, that we can look at something and go, that's, that's good and that's, that's evil. And why that was so important to them is the very same reasons it's very important to us today is that it's really confusing to know what is good and evil. We think that it's really easy, and yet part of our challenge and struggle in this complicated, messed up world is that good and evil are actually very confusing. And, and that's because today, evil, many times, looks really good. It looks beautiful. It looks brilliant. Evil looks really intelligent today. Evil is very convincing. Evil gets into the emotions and feelings that we all experience and, and sparks them and says, come with me. And so we find ourselves being led around by things that are evil in a lot of ways today. And it takes discernment and allowing God to shape us through scripture and through Jesus to say, no, that's evil. This is good. Because a lot of good things today get made look, to look like junk 
and get made to look like evil and get to be called bad. And so to be able to discern what those are and divide those in a very complicated age, time, and city is a sign of maturity. And we can't do that on our own. That we need a guide to it. We need somebody to lead us through it. We need somebody that cuts us open a little bit and says, what are your motives really at right now? And let me join you and meet you in that and lead you in, in my way towards what's good. But that, that takes solid food. And when we settle for milk and we settle just going, we, we miss out on, on so much that God's really inviting us into that hey, I really want you to be able to, to play and sound like I want you to sound. And there's so much more when you step into that kind of life than what you're doing on your own. So, question for you and Pauline, if we can start with you this time, is um, how, what does it look like for you to, to, in your life, to this point in your journey, to, to move from, from kind of milk or just, just pounding the keys to, to maturity and solid food and really being able to join God in the life that he has for you? Yeah, um, I'd love to sit here and tell you that like, I'm like reading the Bible every day, all the time, and I'm like in it, but um, that's not necessarily like what really works for me. Um, for me, I've, I've like seen that like dialoguing with God and really sitting and like speaking to God and like being really honest with him has like been the most fruitful for me. And so I like carve out time in my like day-to-day life to just kind of like sit and talk and like just be fully honest and just like say what's on my mind, whether it's like, like there is an issue that's happening and I'm just like trying to work through it or if it's just like talking about my day and like what my day has been and like what that's like. It's just been like for me, it's been really nice to like have that time to be fully honest and to fully like get God to be part of my life intimately and like being fully honest in that and also like just get to verbally like ask for things that like I feel fearful to ask for. I think a lot of the times we don't ask for things that we want because like we're too scared for that. But like when I get to sit there and talk about it, it like just comes out and I like, you say it in the most natural way because like you're not trying to like play it up for somebody. You're not, you're not trying to like make it like demean it in any way, but you're just like being fully honest with yourself and like with God in that moment and just speaking it out into the world. And I think for me, that's been really helpful to like just be able to like find a place where like my voice is just there and just being spoken loudly. Something you said, um, you know, scripture tells us that, that a childlike faith is so important. And there's something just in sitting, I don't know if how many of you have been around kids, but they'll just tell you what they want. <laughs> like, it could be crazy. Like, you know, like, they want to, uh, to go to Willy Wonka, you know, the chocolate factory and Willy Wonka or something. You know, they just have these, like, kind of outlandish things, but then they let you sort it out for them. And that's something that I feel like I'm hearing in how you talk to God. And I love, I think he loves that. I think he loves getting to engage with the true you, with the childlike faith. Yeah. Um, I had a couple years ago where I was watching these women online, these, these women who were speakers and authors, and they looked so good, and they sounded so good, and I just started to find myself wanting to be like that. I wanted to have uh, their lifestyle. I wanted to speak as well as they could and write as well and have the influence and... Um, and be, you know, look like them even, you know, how they dressed or this kind of um, propping them up in a way and and going, oh, that's kind of how I want to shape my life. And one of the things that happened as I was in that um, 
kind of world of like online social weirdness is um, <laughs> that I would, I started to follow the trail a little further in their life and uh, to see that what is a little bit further down and away is actually not, um, not truthful. It's not, it's not oriented around this. It's not oriented around Jesus. And um, it can look really nice on the outside and it can look really powerful and amazing. But when you follow that trail, it, I was seeing that Jesus wasn't there. Jesus wasn't at the heart of it. And so then I felt like God led me to have eyes for who are the women in our own church body that who are who who have experienced um, you know who've experienced all the seasons of life? They've they've gone through good times and hard times and dark nights of the soul and they've gone through tragedies and they love Jesus and they are rooted deeply in His Word and um, God just kind of rose those people up for for me and I started to go um, who's ahead of me in this and who do I, who do I want to um, Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus or imitate me as I, follow, as I imitate Jesus. And who are the women ahead of me that are following Jesus and who are imitating Jesus that, that I can go, no, that's, that's worthy and that's faithful and that's good. So that's, that's been one of the ways that um, I'm finding that, that God is helping me mature. God is helping me grow and not not just dine on milk, but actually actually grow. And the, the, the second thing, there's three things. So one of them is, who am I looking at ahead of me? And then the second one is, what type of relationships am I cultivating with my friends? And are they relationships with um, women who are also oriented in the word and who are also trying to follow Jesus and trying to live like Jesus? And am I inviting them to speak into my life and to challenge me, to be honest with me, to say, hey, you know, to, if the, to even stop me, to say, hey, well, it sounds like you need to talk to somebody about that. It sounds like you need to deal with that. Do I have those type of relationships where somebody would say, what, what you're doing and what you're focusing on actually isn't that doesn't sound very much like Jesus. That doesn't sound very much like what, what he's talking about. Will, will you go and will you, will you deal with that? Will you go and will you, will you work on that? And then also friends who will pray. It's really easy to say, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. But who are the friends that I'm asking that I know that they will really pray and that when they tell me what's going on in their lives and their worlds, that I will be committed to praying for them. The third thing is, who am I... Who am I leading? So as, as we look at Paul and imitate me as I imitate Jesus, who, who, do I have a life worthy of imitating? Am I trying to lead people out of my own, um, my own understanding? Or am I leading people, am I deeply rooted here and, and leading people from a place where scripture is transforming me? And so people can trust me because it's Jesus at work in my life. So those are the three things, really, like looking ahead and then, and then cultivating relationship with my peers that are, I think, sharpening and shaping and challenging and, and truly loving, and then um, living, living a life worthy of imitation because I'm letting scripture transform me. For me, it brings to mind the word intentionality. Um, I'm a planner, and so I intentionally choose things that's going to keep me in the word and keep me close to God, like joining a small group Bible study or buying a good devotional book or um, 
taking sermon notes and reviewing them. Um, things like that. Uh, reading books by uh, people of the faith that have gone before me that um, I can learn from them how they had a relationship with God and I can too. And for me also, uh, it's different seasons of life. When I was a young mom and you know, you're busy and you don't have a whole lot of time and maybe you also work and, and it would be good if I had guideposts and I read one verse and a little paragraph, but you know, I did something. And as those seasons have changed, um, I can do it differently and I'm not a morning person. And so there are no shoulds, and I learned that right away. I don't have to get up at 5 or 6 a.m. and read the Word. And, and that's a probably a good thing because it wouldn't do me any good. And so um, as the seasons have changed for me, you know, I can spend some time in the afternoon with Jesus and, um, and inter, you know, have a relationship with Him and learn more about Him, what He wants me to do, how He wants me to change. And so... For me, it's just do it. It doesn't matter when, just do it. I've heard that before somewhere. Somebody uses that as a tagline. <laughs> yeah, or it's so, kind of familiar. It's good, good. It's nice of you to share it with them. Um, the, uh, so that, that section ends with, but, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Constant use that... Um, that I mean, when you say intentionality and um, practices in your life of what that looks like and how you structure your life. And then um, 6.12 says, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what, inherit what is promised, has been promised. And that, that idea of not, not just letting it go. There's, we know this, that we're, we will be influenced by what's around us. Uh, and so we have to be intention, intentional and not lazy and through constant use engage with with God through scripture on a regular basis so that, so that he's influencing us through this, not the other, other hundreds of things that influence us around us and just let that happen, but be intentional and, and take time to be, be in scripture together. Thank you so much for, for sharing your lives and giving witness and, and testimony to how you're experiencing this truth and, and living it out. We're, we're better for it and we, we just thank you. Would, you. would you thank them with me? So. We're going to continue to worship and, and to sing. And um, again, when it says we do not, we want to teach you more about this. We want to invite you more into the life uh, that God has for you. One of the ways that we step into that as a church family on a regular basis is to be reminded of uh, of who Jesus is and what He's done for us, and 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 how we do that. One of the ways that we do that is by coming to this table, being reminded of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, His body broken, represented uh, by the bread in front of us, His blood shed on the cross by the represented by the juice, and to take a, a piece of bread and dip it in the juice and to place it in our mouth. And that, that physical, tactile experience that Jesus introduced his first disciples to uh, is a way that we remember who he is and what he's done. So we're going to continue to sing. Uh, and then as you're ready, come, come to these tables in, in front of you. There's one in the middle of the room, two here, and, and two up uh, in the balcony. Let me pray for us, and, and we'll continue to worship and sing. Jesus, we, we need you, and as, as much as it, it does sound un, uncomfortable and, and we might avoid 
as many of us do, we avoid going to the doctor because we don't want to be exposed and hear something about us that we might have to change or deal with. And um, you graciously and, and mercifully want to reveal our own selves to us more and to let us know that we're safe with you and that you love us um, and want our best. And so, uh, Jesus, remind us gently again of uh, of your love for us, that we are your sons and your daughters, and that you want to be with us all the way, the whole journey, to walk with us the whole way, and, uh, and to know us and love us uh, and join with us in this life. Would you help us to do that this morning?